Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for all the testimonies that were given tonight, all the praises to your name. And Lord, we're thankful that we don't have to be in charge. You are. We're thankful that you work in hearts and lives. And Lord, we're thankful for uh, the fellowship of the believers, people that we've never even met before as we go there to the Bible college and sit beside them in services. Lord, there is a, a fellowship and a uh, connection there that's closer even than, than uh, family because it is the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for all the blessings that you give us and all the work that you do that we may enjoy this life and heaven beyond. In your name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz. 10, Proverbs chapter 10. And I am not 100% sure how we're going to continue our study through the book of Proverbs. But uh, what we're going to do tonight is just endeavor to continue. We got through the first 10 verses of Proverbs chapter 10, the last time we were together, two weeks ago. And uh, we're just going to pick up in verse 11. I'm uh, going to try to move rather quickly tonight, see if uh, we might be able to even finish uh, the chapter and what we're doing here is, remember, we've entered a second part of the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's no longer a longer narrative of connected verses on one subject. They are just simply wise sayings. Many of them, most of them are uh, just individual, though you'll hear uh, many of the same words and ideas repeated here. It's not necessarily that they are... Uh, connected as they have been uh, in the earlier chapters. And so in verse 11, it says, The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. And we look at this verse here, and it just simply says, The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Now, we could honestly spend the entire evening, right here on this proverb. Uh, but then it would probably be about 2032 before we finish the book of Proverbs. But one of the things that, one of my goals in going through this is getting you as an individual to start looking a little deeper into the words that you read and study these things and try to trace these things out for yourself uh, because you should be reading the book of Proverbs. You should be studying these things. And I'll tell you, even if I were able to take the whole evening and give you everything I know about this verse, that's not everything that this verse is about. Uh, God's word is always, there's always more. There's, and it just gets deeper, but... Let's look at this, the mouth of a righteous man. We're talking about the words that are spoken, the things that uh, this righteous man says, it, it says, is a well of life. Now, uh, most of us, well, I would say, if you live in New York City, you are on city water, uh, but the idea of a well here, uh, how many of you have ever lived in a place where you actually had your own well? <laughs> and uh, 
Sometimes well water is fabulous. Sometimes it's downright scary. Uh, we visited a home uh, years ago upstate New York uh, near the Schoharie River. And uh, you had to make sure that when you turned on the water faucet that there was no sparks uh, because gas had infiltrated into the well and uh, all kinds of other things, and uh, you could actually set the water on fire. Uh, it was a really bad situation. They could not drink the water that came through the pipes. Um, but the idea of a well is the fact that there is a constant supply of water. And it says that the righteous man, the lips of the righteous man, are a well of life. Now, just one neat little connection that we ought to make here is I believe this is what the founding fathers of our nation were talking about when they were talking about the pursuit of happiness as one of the inalienable rights. You see, a righteous man is not concerned only about himself. When he speaks, he is speaking. When he does things, he is doing things that are not only going to be to his benefit, but to the benefit of those around him. The lips of the righteous, the mouth of the righteous, I'm sorry, is a well of life. Uh, a righteous person who does what is right and speaks what is right is not only going to affect his own life. He's going to bring life and goodness to those that have contact with him. There is going to be a place where other people can go and get what they need to live. It is that idea that is the foundation of what should be, what was designed to be, American society. That people would be righteous in their heart and in their soul, that they would do what is right, they would speak what is right. You see, freedom can only be guaranteed when everyone does what's right. You see, it only takes one person to do what's wrong. I mean, just touch on this. Uh, we've got a mayor that is absolutely insane when it comes to the issue of gun control. I mean, just insane. Do you know that there has never been a gun that has killed someone that did not have an idiot at the end of the trigger? I mean, guns don't just jump out of drawers and shoot people. Uh, we had that tragedy of that little boy shooting himself. Just, I think it was a three-year-old boy. You say, how did that happen? What kind of idiot? I mean, and I use that term medically. That's an IQ. Uh, actually, the word proper word would be moron. That's an IQ below 30. By the way, the plants on the platform are about 15 or 20. Amen? Uh, I mean, this is someone totally devoid of any sense at all. They would leave a loaded gun in a knapsack where a little child could get to it. Uh, the dumbest one I know of is there was a hunter that was actually killed by his dog. 
He was out hunting, and he left a loaded and cocked uh, shotgun leaning up against the tree, and the dog came over and wagged his tail and knocked the shotgun over, and it discharged and killed the hunter. Um, let me tell you, there is just no excuse for that kind of foolishness. The, lip, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. It brings life to those around it. But when one person acts foolishly, what happens? Well, somebody's got to take charge. Do you know in the 1940s, I could bring in the entire laws of the divorce code in the United States and fit them in my Bible case. It takes a library today to do the same thing. In fact, they have libraries devoted entirely to family law and divorce proceedings. Why? Because the mouths aren't righteous. And the exact opposite happens. You get contaminated water in an area. Guess what? It kills everything. Sometimes people have drilled wells and have tapped into a body of water that was stored underground that had dissolved arsenic and all kinds of terrible things in it. And when that water came to the surface, it just wiped out everything. You see, it says the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Why do you think these filthy rappers sing songs about violence? Uh, Because it covereth the mouth of the wicked. The violence in the video games, everybody's, you know, and sometimes... Uh, children will get, you know, joking around and, and, and hit each other and stuff like that. And it's more, hey, stop that. It says violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. We, we don't need that kind of thing. We need to, it, we have a contrast here. We have the contrast of the well of life. It's a source. A well does not only benefit should not only benefit that one person. In these days, uh, you would have one well for an entire town. Like Jacob's well was supplied water for the entire surrounding area. Everyone had to go. It, they did not use water like we do today. Uh, and we wouldn't use water like we do today except for the fact that it's pumped in your house and you can do everything with it, and I'm, I'm glad about that. Uh, I like taking a shower every day, and I'm glad that people do before they come to church. Amen? Uh, These are blessings. But we look at this one verse here. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. If there's any need today in the United States of America, is that we would have more righteous mouths. You want to spoil somebody's fun at work tomorrow? Say something righteous and right when they start talking about dirty, violent things in the break room. You you mess somebody's day completely up. 
And that's a good thing. Amen? A well is a place where you can always go get more. Why? Because where does your righteousness come from? It doesn't come from you and what you do. It comes from Jesus and what he does in your heart and in your soul. That's why it never runs out. And we will make mistakes and we will do things that aren't right. But let's go back. Let's make sure that those things that we speak. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He said, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know, a truly righteous man is going to talk about righteous things. I've run into some people. Yeah, I love church and it's a great thing. But did you see that new movie that's on? Oh, da, 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 da. And they talk about all this. Hey, watch out. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. It's going to be good things. It's going to draw you closer to the Lord. But if you start hearing violence and things, know that you're not dealing with a righteous person. I mean, this is just another way to apply this proverb here. Is It is a protection. We look here in verse 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Isn't that a beautiful verse? You know why you get angry at people? Because of hatred. But pastor, I don't hate anybody. Well, no, I'm going back to the verse. It says, hatred stirs up strifes. Why is there never going to be peace in the Middle East until Jesus reigns there? Because of hatred. And you know what? You can't solve hatred. Only God can. But here's how you solve hatred. Love. Uh, by the way, First John 4, God is, what's the last word there? God is love. See, so you've got to make the connections that the Bible makes. It's God's love that sent Jesus to Calvary to cover our sins. Amen? And if you accept God's love in your life, you have to accept it for other people's lives too. His forgiveness doesn't stop with you. If you believe that, you don't have Bible forgiveness. But let's not mince words here. I remember as a little boy, oh, I hate you. You don't hate anybody. You just don't like them very, very much. Well... That wasn't very right. Hatred is alive and well. It's a poison. It's out there. It's like the, how many of you have ever walked through the fields and come back just covered with them little seeds and burrs? That's what hatred is like, my friend. And when you find yourself in a strifeful situation, This verse is in here to give you a warning flag. Hey, we got to get enough love to drown out the hatred. And the only place we can get love is God. 
And what we're dealing with is not just dislike. No, it's hatred. It's serious. It's got to be dealt with. Otherwise, the strife is going to continue. Where there is hatred, there's going to be strife. Don't make the mistake of trying to be one of these, uh, I don't even know what a term for it is, the biblical term is fool, that walks into a room full of hatred and says, you know, the problem is we just don't understand each other. We just need to sit down and, and have a little conversation and we'll all love each other. No, that doesn't work, my friend. You've got to solve the problem, which is hatred, and you as a human being can't solve that problem. Only God can. And so don't fall into that false foolishness that is in the world today. Because until you solve the problem of hatred, you're not going to stop the fighting. Uh, Tito, in Yugoslav, former Balkans, he had a solution. When one of the groups, uh, the Croatians, got fighting the Serbians, he just sent a group of army soldiers in there and they killed every living thing in the town. And said, if you keep fighting, I'm just going to keep killing. But as soon as the communism fell, what happened? We had... uh, Oh, I can't even think of the guy's name. Milosevic and all of those guys and genocide and all of the old things that were going on for thousands of years right back to the surface. And the dumb UN goes in there and says, we're going to make everybody love each other. Not until you solve the problem of hatred. It's hatred that causes strife. See how, I mean, and... The only thing that stops hatred is love. I think of one of the preachers that used to work at Cleveland Baptist. He was a Croatian, or he may have been a Serbian, married to a Croatian. And they were over there doing uh, missionary work. At the time, all of this thing was going on, and depending on which checkpoint they came to, Either he talked or she talked. (laughs) Because if he opened his mouth at the wrong checkpoint, they'd just fill the gun full of bullet holes and kill them all. And if she did the same thing, the same thing would have happened on the other side. But God took two people who were of warring factions and brought them together as husband and wife preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, I just love the way God works. You see, love covers, what's it say? All sins. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found, verse 13. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Now we read those verses and I'll tell you, we do not, and I'm I'm glad we do not live in a day when they take men out and bend you over a pole and beat you uh, with rods. They still do that in many of the eastern countries. And, um, but here's what it says. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. 
when you have understanding in your heart, wisdom is going to be what you speak. By the way, if we reverse that, if you find yourself speaking foolishness, what's the problem? I need more understanding. Let's go back to the Word of God where we get it. Amen? And uh, there's not a time when we don't do foolish things, every one of us. Uh, We need to go back to the source. We need to get understanding. In fact, if we get to a verse here, uh, we get down in this thing. It will be another proverb that will say, It's uh, in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. If you're going to keep talking, you're going to say something wrong. So learn to be quiet. Amen. Uh, Learn to... uh, uh, Zip the lip, as as they used to say. But look at the second half of verse 13. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Do you know, if you do not understand, if you refuse to have biblical understanding in your life, you cannot communicate with that person. The only thing they will respond to is force. That's why we have prisons. And you go to the prison, and what does everybody say? I didn't do anything to deserve to be in here. Uh, Does that show a basic lack of understanding, maybe? Uh, You know, what we have to do is we, we have to, you have to understand that there are just Some people you're not going to be able to talk to. Why? Because they have no understanding. They don't want it. They don't want to understand anything about God. They don't want to understand anything about righteousness. All they want to do is what pleases themselves. And the only thing that's going to solve that problem is force. So if it's not a situation where you want to get into using force, get out of there. Just stay away. There's no way you're going to solve it. You know, I think I've made many statements here. It doesn't even need to be. But again, I don't believe in child abuse. But I believe in corporal punishment. I believe that you need to discipline your little children, not a rod on their back. You just discipline them. You've got to make the pain worse than the gain. I had one of my children ask me, what if it rains tomorrow? Do I still have to sweep the side yard? I said, yes, it's punishment. And so it doesn't matter because you're going to do the work. You know why? Because we're trying to get you to get some understanding so you don't have to do this again. Amen? You see, the Word of God gives us direction for everything. But if you don't have understanding... Now, granted, a two-year-old is not capable of having understanding. That's why you don't send a psychologist to talk to your two-year-old about doing right. You help them do right. You pick them up and you take their hand off the stove. Amen? Uh, We don't want them to get hurt. But when you're dealing with an adult, I knew an adult one time, he said, "I I just wish I could be spanked like a little child so I'd learn to do right. I said, you know, it's too late for that. That kind of discipline will not, that's for the person that does not have any understanding at all. 
But where can you get understanding? In the Word of God and from the Lord. He'll give it to you. Amen? Let's look on here. Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. You know, you can't remember everything you need to know. So what do you do with it? You lay it up. One of the reasons we have reference system in our Bible is so we can know where to find things. But if you don't read this Bible enough, you're not going to know where to find it even though there is a reference system in it. But if you will read your Bible constantly, you're going to know where to look for things. Wise men lay up knowledge. Why do they never stop writing books? Because each generation's got to lay up its own knowledge. Some of it's good, some of it ain't so good. But the foolish, what does it say here? The mouth of the foolish is near destruction. You know, when a person speaks without understanding, they're always, I just want it to be fair. I just want to be right. Hey, listen, there's no such thing as fair. There never has been and there never will be. Not as long as there's more than one human being in the room. There will never be fair. What we want is equity is the Bible word. Not equality. Because equality is if you have a broken leg, guess what should happen to me? I get a broken leg. Now we're both equal, right? But equity would mean you have a broken leg and limited mobility. I should be willing to help you because I have full mobility and no broken leg. I like equity better than equality. How about you? And we go through this here. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. But the destruction of the poor is their poverty. Now, again, books have been written on the subject that is spoken in one sentence in this phrase. I mean, we have people today in our society, many of them are in government, that believe that rich equals wickedness and poverty equals righteousness. Nothing could be further from the truth. It says the destruction of the poor is their poverty. And so we had back in the 30s a government that says we're going to wage war on poverty. And what did they do? Uh, to use a term, they sequestered or separated an entire segment of our society into a continual state of poverty that they cannot escape and have destroyed entire sections of our society. And if you're not careful, you get sucked into it. And we're not talking necessarily race here. We're just talking economic status, people who are in a continually deprived situation. It says the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Why? 
It's not because the rich are stealing from the poor necessarily. It's because people learn certain destructive life lessons that sentence them to a life of poverty. And doing without destroys them from the inside. Do you, do you understand what we're talking about here? When you learn to live dependent upon other people to pay your bills for you, you're in trouble. You're in a cycle that you're not going to get out of easily. It is destructive. The problem is, why do poor people steal? Because they don't have what they need. And so they look and they say, He's got everything he needs, so I'm just going to take a little of his everything and I'm going to have what I need. That's the basis of the IRS tax system, my friend. It doesn't work that way because as history shows us, the poor are getting poorer. And why do rich people stay rich? Because they have the strength to keep it. That's what it's... And what we need to do is not sit there and try to fight the rich. What we need to do is get out of poverty. And there's more than one type of poverty. There's a spiritual poverty that is out there that puts people into a cycle of false religion and false prayers and... And you can't get them out of that no matter what you do. Because it is a destructive tendency. They are dependent. They have to go to the priest to get permission to buy bread in some places in this world. That kind of poverty destroys people from the inside out. It eats you up. There's nothing left inside. But I'll tell you what, you get a little riches of this book called the Bible. And the poverty seekers come knocking at your door. You just tell them to go their way. Why? Because you have what you need. It's God's word. I hope I'm not being misunderstood. There's, there's so much in this verse here. Uh, we have made decisions as a society. We have done things. When you look at God's word, it's going to be reflected in the way people live. That's what we define as our society. And we're going to see these horrible things laid out. You see, the fact that the rich man is able to keep what he has. He's got a strong city. What, what is, uh, I think it's, um, excuse me, um, the price of peace is eternal vigilance. Why do we have the relative peace that we do in the United States compared to the rest of the world? Stop and think about it. Why do we have it? Because there are men and women with guns and missiles and all kinds of things all over this world protecting us from the violence 
that desires to come here and destroy continually. I think of the Gaza Strip when um, the Israelis moved out of a certain piece of that land there and they gave to the Palestinians a citrus factory. What it did was you would grow, they had the groves right there, you grew the fruit, you put it into the factory and then you could export uh, the the concentrate and all the different things, the equipment. It was a turnkey situation for them to work and have jobs and better themselves. Within 24 hours, you know what the Palestinians did to that factory? They burned it to the ground and destroyed every bit of machinery in it. That's what the Bible's talking about when it says the destruction of the poor is their poverty. They have no understanding that a good day's work will produce something that will provide for my family. They would rather, because of hatred, burn the thing down, and somehow they're getting even. Who are they really hurting? They're hurting themselves. And so this cycle continually goes on. Why? Because we don't obey the Bible. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life, but the fruit of the wicked to sin. If a righteous person is doing something, again, this overlaps where we started out. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. The labor of the righteous, it's going to bring good things. It tendeth to life. Because when you do something right, guess what? The person beside you benefits from it. When you drive like a normal human being, guess what? Everybody on the road benefits from that. When you get one idiot that decides they have to go into the front of the line no matter how many people are in front of them, it makes it dangerous for everybody now, doesn't it? But the fruit of the wicked is to sin. Don't expect the wicked to bring forth righteousness. You know, that is, if you want to know the greatest lie of communism, it is that everyone is basically a good person and wants to help everybody else out. And so they're all going to work the same and put forth their maximum effort that everybody can benefit. You know, God didn't create us that way. How many of you know that the pilgrims, one of the reasons they starved their first year here was because they believed and tried to build a socialistic economy where everybody worked and everybody reaped the benefits of everybody's labor. You know what they did the next year? They said, you work your garden and you keep your garden and you enjoy the benefits of your garden. And the next year they had prosperity and started what the tradition that became our thanksgiving. Look, the fruit of the wicked is sin. Don't expect the wicked to do what's right. But you had better do, it says, that the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. Let's just do one more or two and then we'll be done. He that he is in the way of life that keepeth instruction 
but he that refuseth reproof erreth. Don't you just hate it when somebody corrects you? Well, it says, he that hateth reproof erreth, or maketh an, makes an error. But he that keepeth instruction is in the way of life. If you want to walk in the way of life, read the instructions. Now, I know they joke about people who just throw away the instructions as soon as they get something. I'm not one of those people. I read the instructions. You know why? Because I know somebody put the parts in that box that are supposed to look like the picture on the outside. So you've got to read the rules and find out which screws go in which hole and which connections get here. And if you'll read the instructions, you will put it together the way that it's supposed to. Unless you're missing something. But then how will you know that you're missing something if you don't read the instructions? Here's the instructions. Let God correct you. Be correctable. Be in a state where you can be told to change your behavior. If you find yourself refusing to listen to other people, the red warning lights ought to be going off. Hey, I am in the way of error. I am going to hurt myself because I am not listening to the instruction that is given to me. You see, God puts people in our lives. He wants us to listen to them. I'll tell you what, sometimes God will use people that aren't necessarily shining examples of true righteousness and holiness to give us instruction. I'll tell you what, if, if I'm working on a mechanical problem, I'm not looking for the most righteous mechanic, I'm looking for the best mechanic. Somebody who knows that problem, that vehicle, or that type of machinery. I want to receive instruction so I don't mess the thing up completely. How about you? If I need a doctor, I'm looking, not looking for the most Christian doctor. I'm looking for the best surgeon or whatever who can solve the problem. But my prayer and my direction of my heart is toward God. Because God can give these people the ability. But when you get yourself in a situation, I read uh, just a little while ago of a tragedy, a family that one of their children died because they refused to take him to the hospital. And so the court ordered them to seek medical attention and recently a second child died for the same exact purpose, reason. As parents, you don't have the right to kill your children. We've got to listen We've got to receive instruction. Believe it or not, there is somebody out there that knows more than you do. Amen? We go back, the, right, the wise man layeth up knowledge. You can't have it all. 
receive instruction. Because I'll tell you the first sign of someone, and, and this is very serious stuff, this, someone that has a mental illness, you know what the first sign is? They refuse to receive instruction. They won't take their medication. They won't allow you to help them. I remember sitting down with a man several years ago, and I said, listen, you have been diagnosed with a reality perception problem. What that means is what you think is happening is not happening. You think that it is happening. You believe that it is happening. You perceive that this is happening. But everybody else in the world around you knows that you're the only one that sees and perceives this. I said, you got two choices. I said, one is you can go to the medical people and just let them give you medication and flounder through life. Or you can get a hold of a godly person who will walk beside you that you will trust even when you feel that everything around you is wrong and people are attacking you, if they tell you it's okay, you believe them. You know what? I've never met a person willing to do that. That's the answer. Because he that refuses the reproof Aerith. And we can go through and we can put this in so many different applications. But I'll tell you what. If we could just put this in a serum and inject it, we could empty the psychiatric hospitals of the United States. <laughs> we really could. If we would just allow people to receive instruction. But they won't. And so they're going to continue going on. And by the way, don't waste your time when someone refuses instruction. Let's go back. What's it say? A rod is for the fool's back. That's the only way they're going to get it. And that's why the ambulance has to show up and people have to be taken and have to be forcibly given medication and all of these things. It's a very dark side to life. Receive instruction. Amen? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you with your word, and we just ask that you would help us as we read through these Proverbs. Lord, to look at the words on the page and look at the world in which we live, and that you would open our eyes, the eyes of our heart, that we may receive instruction that we may receive warning from what we see around us, that we would use your word as a meter, as a measurement, as the final authority to teach us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And we'll give just a moment. If you want to come and pray at the altar, the altar's open. You want to pray in your seat. Let's prepare our heart for the time of prayer to follow.